Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the studio today, uh, Studio A, actually, with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom, shalom. Thanks for having me. Yep, man, it's uh, it's a great week so far. Uh, had a bit of a frustrating day, but I'm going to put it beside over here, and I'll readdress that when we get back to it. And uh, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to move forward, you know, move forward. Uh, but this coming week, we've got Eve Harrow coming. We're very excited about that. I want you guys to make sure that uh, if you are in town, that you come by. If not, then you guys live stream that. That's Monday night. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Eve Harrow from the Land of Israel. Uh, she's a tour guide over there. She has a podcast on the Land of Israel Network called Rejuvenation. Uh, she has awesome guests on there, does a great job. I uh, love listening to her stuff. I recommend it to you guys as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the, she's always got an interesting perspective. You know, we've got the, Absolutely. the evangelical... Absolutely. She takes a lot of uh, groups on tour that are Christians. She does. She does. She she tours a lot of so Christians. She gives around. the Jewish perspective of the land of Israel and everything. So it's it's really advantageous. So we're we're just glad to have her on Monday night. Uh, you know, I just think she's like a rock star from Israel, and we're so so privileged to have her uh, to come and share at our congregation. I think it's going to be very enlightening. I totally agree. So uh, this week we are studying the Torah portion via Kel. Uh, which means, and he assembled. This can be found in the book of Exodus, chapter 35 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 38 and verse 20. Excellent. Well, we're going to kick it off with, of course, uh, the Sabbath or the Shabbat. I'm going to have Ryan read Exodus chapter 35, verses 1 through 3, right out of the gate. Some good, good stuff here. All right. It says, And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. Ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. Wow, just repeating what he already stated. Once again, uh, Moses is going to be bringing the second set of tablets. Uh, the first two were broken with the golden calf incident, which is relevant for today. But, uh, you know, if you if you violated the Sabbath, the, uh, the penalty was death, Ryan. Wow, that's 52 weeks out of the year. You could be facing the death penalty. And let's, let's, so let's examine that just real quick. So... Uh, obviously, we know that because of Yeshua's sacrifice, that he took the punishment that was rightfully. Have you ever broken the Sabbath? The answer to everybody yes. listening to the sound of my voice is yes. So what does that mean? It means that you deserve death according to God's law. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what we get is we get not only to escape the punishment, but we also get eternal life on top of that for being servants of the Most High. And so... Why would we then not look at this from a principle standpoint and say, what's the principle here? The principle here is that the Sabbath is really, really, really important to God. So much so, he said that if you don't keep the Sabbath, the punishment is death. There's other sins, there's other commands that don't carry that high of a punishment. And so I would say that it behooves everyone to take a look at the Sabbath, the seventh day Sabbath specifically, and just see 
how can I incorporate, the, incorporate this into my life as a way to just say to God, I am in covenant with you. I want to be part of your covenant people. I want to be part of your, your crew, the people that are your closest friends, the ones that you speak to. And the Sabbath is just an easy way to do that. And it's so easy. And you know, if you don't keep the feast days, you're excommunicated. So the punishment is not as severe. But I'll tell you, to be uh, cut off from Israel is not a, not a pleasant thing. But once again, you know, the, uh, the point is, is that the Sabbath is very, very important to the Father. Uh, the Shabbat. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and we know this, you know, and uh, you can actually uh, study it out for yourself. You know, among Catholicism, uh, their doctrine on the Shabbat was that they had, the, they said that they had the divine right or the authority to change Shabbat from Saturday to Sunday, that they had the authority to change the Shabbat from Saturday to Sunday. So we know that that's wrong. Uh, another way to look at this is it's about the restitution of all things, uh, not to misquote Mr. Joseph Farah, uh, who's, of course, a uh, conservative Christian journalist, uh, I do believe, uh, from the Middle East, Joseph Farah, and um, I think his background is Middle East, his ethnic background. But uh, he's with, uh, I guess, the World Net Daily News, uh, a big-time website. But he actually came out with a book, Ryan, called The Restitution of All Things, and uh, he was actually in a, in, a, in a Bible study and talking about the Word of God. I guess he was with his family, or he was with a group of people. I don't want to misquote him or anything or tell the story wrong. But the point is, is that his daughter pointed out, Daddy, how come we don't keep the Shabbat or the Sabbath? Why are we honoring the Sabbath? And it came up. And so when you look up his book, The Restitution of All Things, which I highly recommend, uh, restitution means restoration, uh, he began to study it out for himself, and he, he went on... He went on this wild ride of the Sabbath and the Shabbat. And uh, like I said, this is just something that's an awakening. The Sabbath is an awakening. You know, it's so funny that people try to take the Sabbath and make it to be what they want it to be. Uh, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this is the first three verses of the Torah study. we got a lot more to cover. But once again, the Shabbat is Friday night to Saturday night. You do not pick your Shabbat or your Sabbath. Oh, my Sabbath is this day. No, that's your day of rest, or that is what you have chosen to do. But the Shabbat is Friday night to Saturday night. You know, we have a question in our small groups on, on Monday night, and it's this, Ryan. I want to ask you, uh, how has honoring the Sabbath day, how has it changed your life? Going from Sunday service to Saturday and taking Friday night to Saturday night with your wife and your kids and your, your foster parents, you and Ashley, but how has it changed your life? Well, let me preface it with this. Before I came into the Hebrew roots, I came through the feast days, so I, I discovered, you know, uh, Passover and all the way through to Tabernacles, the, the, the feast days. And I was studying the feast days, and it, it came clear to me that these people in the Hebrew roots had this thing about Torah. And every time I heard the word Torah, I would twitch, right? It'd be like a little, like, you know, little, little twitch, Torah. Oh, geez. I just, the word Torah. Yeah. It bothered me because, you know, I was like, no, you know, we're free from the log. You know, Jesus Christ has freed us by his finished work on the cross. And so it was just this whole thing internally. I had this emotional stuff I had to deal with. And so Ashley and I decided one day, you know what, let's just try this whole Sabbath thing. You know, let's just try it. And uh, lo and behold, our first Sabbath, we actually had pork chops for dinner, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But we did Sabbath, and then we did it again, and then we did it again. And let me just say that the joy of the Sabbath is inexplicable. I can't convey to you listening to this right now how much joy there is on Friday nights in my home. Uh, it's not always that way. There are hard Shabbats, but I will say that the the overarching joy of the Lord and 
in the Sabbath and in the evening of the Sabbath and the day of the Sabbath and coming together with other believers after all of us have done that Friday night bringing the Sabbath thing, I, I can't I can't explain it to you other than just to say the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I feel strong on Sabbath. That That is excellent. I mean, think about it, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the commandments, you know, and, and the prophecies are very simple. You know, when Messiah comes back, what's he going to do? He's going to incorporate the Shabbat, the Sabbath, amen? So let's look at the, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 35, we have verses 4 through 19. We have, of course, the building materials, and for the sake of time, we're not going to read all that. We're not going to get into that, but there's a lot that goes into this tabernacle. And, and we and, have listed the building materials in previous podcasts. Oh, absolutely. So, so once again, there, there's the furniture, there's tapestries, there's boards, sockets, Stones. there's utensils. Uh, yeah, there's the whole, uh, you know, the, the biblical, you know, the priestly clothing, uh, all this stuff had to be sewn and made, and uh, and. and and we can look at that later, but yeah, just think about it. Uh, so in regards to Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 through 19, we have, of course, the building materials. Uh, once again, uh, here's a question out of Exodus 35, verse 5, that we can ask. Did God want the people to give from a willing heart? Oh, man. You know, the answer is obviously yes, but that's a yes, big deal. Yes, you should want to do it. It's a big know? deal. It's like my kids. Don't you want to take the trash out? Don't you want to do those dishes? You know, you could actually love chores. It's like we don't love chores, but they're all, they're always there. Learn to love it. Just like this morning, I got up, trash cans full. I'm still I'll, laughing. I'll do it. I'm still laughing. You saying you got to love chores? That's you got to love chores. Yeah, some, I'm over fifty, and I still got to do chores. Some people may enjoy the chores. Uh, my my thing is, uh, you got to love the the joy of serving others and serving the Lord. And then the things that are inconvenient just seem like just a side note, you know? Like you know, I, I love this, note. you know, in regards to the building materials. You know, even at Beit Tehillah, we're trying to build something. We want to build a strong community and raise up the next generation. And, and you know, I, I know we have a sense of humor, both, both Ryan and I, but deep down, you know, this is a serious, this is a serious operation, you know. And I want to read to you uh, Exodus 35, 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing... And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. Yeah. So the offering was for the work of the tabernacle. And you know, if we're going to have guests from Israel and, and we're going to be reaching these pastors and these churches with the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, Ryan, it's going to take finances. It's going to take money to do that, you know. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to raise the bar with that. And, and of course, with a strong community and raising up the next generation, you have to look at the leadership that's contained within this vision, uh, even at Beit Tehillah here, you know. Um, and so I'm going to ask Ryan this particular question uh, out of Exodus chapter 35, verses 27 and 28. If God wanted all these things from a willing heart, what did the rulers bring for their offering? Uh, okay, so the offering that the rulers brought were uh, onyx stones, uh, stones to be set for the ephod, um, the breastplate, spice, oil for the light, uh, and for the anointing oil, and the sweet incense for wow, the Wow, some bling-bling, serious bling-bling. Oh, yeah, they brought I mean, stuff, you know, man. stones, I mean, jewels. And, uh, you know, I always believe if you're in leadership, you should be giving the best offerings, you know. Uh, we have guests that come and different things. My wife and I, we, we always give offerings to our guests that come and, and we tithe. But, but you know, uh, we should always, if you're in leadership, you should be an example in giving. So in Exodus chapter 35, verse 29, this is what it says. So the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing. 
to bring forth all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. See, what are you building in your life? What are you getting under and supporting? You know, it's so funny. The word submit, you know, has a bad connotation sometimes. You know, uh, the word submit simply means to get under and support, right. to lift up. And that's what we need to do in our communities in regards to one another and to what the Father's asking us to do. So I want to play off this, Ryan, thinking about it. Uh, there's a, you know, uh, you know, a little question here that we have in our little group that, that I thought I would throw in there. Uh, and, and it's this. Why do some people serve with a willing heart and others do not serve at all, Ryan? I mean, mm. that, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. You have people that serve and people that don't serve at all. Yeah. What, what do you think their problem is? I mean, just one of many, I'm sure. But, I mean, if you're not serving at all in the church, you're just coming and sitting and going, sitting and going. Yeah. Wh- why would that be? So the I'm going to say that the center focal piece here is uh, perspective and priority. So those two things. Perspective and priority. So if you have a right perspective and a right priority, well, if you have a right perspective, I guess your priority. So maybe it's perspective because if you have the right perspective, your priority What's your is a paradigm. Line. Right. I got it. And and I think that's what it is because if you if you understand what the Lord has done for you, uh, then you're going to want to serve Him. And how do you serve Him? But by serving His people. You know, God doesn't need a house. You know what I'm saying? Right. He doesn't need a tabernacle to dwell. That's he, true. He he has all of the resources in the whole universe to do whatever he wants with. And yet he's asking these people to build him a house so that he can dwell. I don't think he needs the house. I think we need to build the house for him because we need him to dwell with us. It's doing it together, you know. And I know in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, uh, the reference is Yeshua came not to be served, but to serve. Right. You know, and that just tears me up when I when I look at, I do believe it's in Hebrews chapter 2, verses... Let me, let me look at this again here. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Check this out. Uh, so Yeshua came not to, to, to be served, but to serve. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. This is why we always remember his death. You know, we're always to be mindful of his death, you know. And uh, what would Jesus do? Jesus would serve. You know, what an opportunity. You know, I, I know when I get in a, in a pickle or I get in a mess or I'm feeling down or whatever for a little bit, I always think back and I just, you know what, I'm going to serve my way out of this. I'm going to do a random act of kindness. I'm going to do something, you know. And uh, years ago, I was inspired by the Holy Spirit who shared with me uh, in regards to fixing ourselves and being on the right path, looking at a new perspective, uh, the purpose for serving. And this is the quote, when you quit giving, you have forgotten what has been given to you. So think about all the things that have been given to you, starting with eternal life, forever and ever you will be with the Messiah. How can you not give back to just that, Ryan. Yeah, of course. Now, now I got my wife and kids, and he's given me so much. I thank him for it. I really do. Uh, you know, and so once again, when you quit giving, you have forgotten what has been given to you. Don't let the enemy rob you of being a servant. I mean, think about it. If Yeshua would serve, we should be serving. 
So with that, we're going to run into, of course, two incredible people found in this Torah portion, uh, once again, who helped to build the tabernacle. We have, of course, uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, Yehuda, Bezalel. And we have Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. So here we have Judah and Dan, you know, and uh, you're going to see where uh, I do believe Aholiab was an engraver and embroiderer. We'll talk more about that later. But once again, these two people were called by name. Yeah. Absolutely. And you not know, I mean, they said some pretty awesome things, but I don't know if you mind, but I'd like to read uh, uh, verses 30 through 35. Um, yeah, go ahead. It says, And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called the name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works to work in gold and in silver and in brass. And in the cutting of stones to set them, and in carving of wood to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work all manner of work of the engraver and of the cunning workman. Uh, and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work. Praise God. You know, there's people out there that think that the skills that God has given them, maybe they have come up with them on their own. Let me tell you, the gifts that we have, the skills that we have, they are from the Lord. The Lord gives us the unction, the Lord gives us the wisdom of heart, and that he, and he gives us his spirit in order for us to be skilled at the things we're skilled at. And our job is to then turn around and take those skills and give them back to him in some manner. Do you think that uh, Bezalel and Aholiab only ever made just the things for the tabernacle? Do you think they probably made things for other people? That's right. In homes and, and things like that? I would venture to say that they did. That this was probably skilled, skilled craftsmen. Yeah, this is their vo vocation uh, outside of just the work of the tabernacle, but they devoted their time to it. So why did God give it to them for this purpose? And they get the fringe benefits of it being a vocation for them as well. You know, once again, you know, what are we giving to? You give to what you believe in. Think about it. Whether it's a restaurant or certain foods or beverages, you give to what you believe in, even in charity. You know, so we're, we're going to move forward here and, and looking at more than enough given for the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 through 7. This is an incredible uh, portion of scriptures that are going to actually uh, show where there's definitely enough um, to do the job. So let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 36, verses 1 through 7, and I'm going to have Ryan read. Yeah, I think I wrote in here, every pastor's dream. I think, you know... Uh, every pastor's oh, dream. yeah. <laughs> it says, Then wrought Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, even every one whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary, to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. 
And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. You know, it's always nice to uh, give to one another. You know, we have uh, my three sons, you know, and uh, what we'd like to do is just to give uh, Ryan some uh some some clothes for his son Christian. Micah outgrows. He can give those clothes to Christian. But Absolutely. you know, what happens is if 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 you get too much, you could be like, hey, you know what? I can't take anymore. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, share this with another boy yeah. or some clothes with some other person. And I think that's really interesting. You know, when God uh, gives us a blessing, we can actually help to bless others, you know. Uh, and that's the whole thing that, that we need to be thinking about. Uh, and I and I really I, I really like that. I mean that right there to me uh, is pretty cool. You know, they they have they received all they needed, so they couldn't bring any more. Praise God. So they had to probably take it and 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 you know do what they had to with it. But once again, uh, how nice it is to to meet those needs or have a you know whether it's a diaper drive for the life care center or whatever it is that oh they have enough you know at a kid's place next door you know they have enough pencils or paper or whatever notebook paper or or um, whatever it is, uh, health and beauty aids or something for those kids next door. It's it's nice to say, hey, we don't need any more of this. Yeah. You know, and so that right there is really awesome. This is v- really a good example of, of meeting a need and then, of course, having the, uh, <clears throat> the excess. So as we look forward, we can actually see that uh, they're going to continue to describe this tabernacle and uh, the sockets and the, and the, and the pillars and all these things. So they have, of course, the uh, curtains and coverings are made. And so what was made after the after the curtains and coverings in Exodus 36, 20? Uh, so they made uh, boards for the tabernacle of, it says in the King James, sheatim wood, which is acacia wood. It's a hard up. wood, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Sheatim wood or acacia wood. You know, when the gentleman was laying the stage uh, in a dark wood, he, he told me that... Uh, I said, well, where did this wood come from? What kind of wood is this? He says, well, this is from the acacia family from Ooh. South America. I said, wow, that's only appropriate that we would have an acacia wood stage. You know, if I was a floor salesman and I was selling a church, I'd probably say that too. Just saying. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think acacia wood means anything to the church. You don't think so? Eh, not necessarily. Are you I sure? mean, you know, I'm I mean, just we saying know the ark is made of your acacia wood. Roots, yeah. Acacia wood is the way to go. Absolutely. Um, and of course, uh, what was made to go under the boards, but 40 sockets of silver. Oh, yeah. So wood shows humanity. Uh, silver is redemption. That's found in Exodus 36, 24. 40 sockets of silver. And of course, the uh, the boards were overlaid with gold. Gold. Deity. You know, here we have I love gold, gold. Divine gold. The, you know, the, so gold, overlaid with gold. That's some serious bling bling in this tabernacle. Uh, and then, of course, in Exodus 36, 35, and he made a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen with cherubims made he it of cunning work or embroidery. So once again, you're going to see some incredible embroidery. And, and you know, there's this big debate, and I got this from Yeshai. He's like, hey, we're not supposed to have images. Why are we putting cherubims on the curtains? Or on top of the mercy you know, seat. It's, yeah. it's interesting, you know. It's a, that's uh, definitely these, an these, idol. <laughs> these must be godly images where, you know, hey, you know what? The cherubims are very uh, interesting, uh, I'd say, creation. Uh, Satan was a cherubim that fell. 
Yeah. He was a cherubim. Uh, I don't know ex- exactly how to describe him to you. That's a whole other study in and of itself. But we know that there was two cherubims with a flaming sword that guarded the entrance back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Uh, to where you could not go back. You had to... You had to do the punishment or the, uh, you know, the retribution there. So once again, uh, with cherubims made he it of cunning work or embroidery. Um, and, and this is something else, Ryan. If you if you go back and study Ezekiel's temple, there is two things of decor there that, that stand out. There's uh, palm trees and cherubims is the decor. And uh, once again, only two pieces of furniture in Ezekiel's temple. It is a table and an altar. Mm. That's the only thing that's described in Ezekiel's temple. It kind of reminds me of, you know, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So here's the sacrifice. You, you just want to really have that barbecue, and you're going to have to have a table to eat from. So it's interesting that there's no mention of an altar of incense, no mention of a menorah, table of showbread, or even a laver. Okay, there is this river that comes out of Jerusalem like a river. It describes even in Revelation, but there is some kind of a river coming out of Ezekiel. I think it flows to to, uh, to the Dead Sea where Engedi is, and actually fish start to live there and and, and everything like that, which is which is pretty incredible. Uh, and of course, a portion of that Dead Sea would still remain salty and nothing will live in it, but there'll be a portion that will be alive and have fish in it. Uh, it's interesting that even today, the Dead Sea has two bodies of water. Even now, uh, it's kind of interesting. It could be moving actually towards that prophecy. Uh, just something to think about, Ryan, as I've been in the tour for 20 years, just food for thought to think about these things. Maybe you're thinking about them too. And remember, if God cares about this stuff, and this is the pattern shown Moses, we should know the pattern. We should know the pattern. So, of course, before the most holy place, we have four pillars. Four pillars before the most holy place, uh, which, was, of course, we would call it the holy of holies. Uh, five pillars were before the holy place where the lampstand stood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're uh, exposed to the elements at the altar and then the laver. Uh, there's no covering, you know, and if you'll notice, if, if you'll see the five columns there, if you pull the curtain back and you go in there, you're going to see the menorah to the left, table of showbread to the right, and altar of incense in, of course, uh, like a triangle at the, at the top of that particular compartment, which we would call the... Uh, inner court, yeah. uh, outer court, inner court, and then, of course, the Holy of Holies, uh, just to encourage you. And so, once again, five pillars where the lampstand stood. In Ryan's opinion, five pillars getting mm-hmm. into the holy place is the Torah. It's going to lead you to the Torah. Four pillars leading into the most holy place, or the Holy of Holies, the Gospels. You know, there you go. And it also represents the world, north, east, south, and west, directional. Prove me You're wrong. You're going in the right direction, just right? Saying, prove me wrong. You're going in the right direction. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Uh, and I want you all just to get this picture because where are you in the tabernacle? Yeah. Ask yourself, where are you in the tabernacle? So once again, I just want to say that prophetically, we are at the table of showbread, uh, actually moving towards, if not already there, towards the altar of incense, uh, praying God's perfect will. The Our Father is a is a model prayer on how to pray, once again, uh, Yes, you can you can say that prayer over and over, the Our Father. Uh, but once again, um, we are moving from the table of showbread, which represents the twelve tribes, twelve unleavened loaves, uh, double rimmed. You can't fall off the edge, and of course, the 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 bread is changed out every Shabbat. So here we have the menorah represents the Holy Spirit, our right spirit. Come to the table. We're part of the Commonwealth of Israel. We're tribal. We're, we're unleavened bread, and we're switched out every Saturday. Here comes new unleavened bread. Here comes the 12 tribes. 
moving towards, of course, the altar of incense. So picture God sitting in the Holy of Holies. We boldly come to the throne of grace. That's what the scriptures say. We're not trying to get access in there. We're not trying to get in there. Remember, the temple veil, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom, Ryan. Yahweh wanted to come out, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so I believe that because of Yeshua, we have access to the throne. We have access to the Holy of Holies. We're not uh, in a place where we can't approach it. Uh, and I believe that's where we're at prophetically. And if you want to even read about the, uh, I do believe, let me go look this up real quick here. If you want to find out, uh, even in regards to what I'm saying, if you want to check out the book of Revelation, if you'll read Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, for the sake of time, I'm not going to do that. You're going to see a reference to the altar of incense. Now, John, the, the beloved apostle, the disciple of Yeshua, he saw the altar of incense. He saw it. And so you're going to see some amazing things in regards to this altar of incense. Even the prayers of the saints, pray without ceasing. See, that's why we can make prayer popular again. Prayer is important. It's communication. So as we look, we, we look at the tabernacle furniture, we give a little bit of credit to Bezalel, and this is the order in which he made these particular things. Uh, this is the order. Uh, number one, he made the ark. Number two, he made the mercy seat. Uh, Basil also made, uh, number three, the table of showbread. Number four, all vessels. Number five, the lampstand. Number six, the incense altar. Number seven, the holy anointing oil. Number eight, of course, the altar of burnt offering. Um, and of course, number nine is the laver. So there you have it. We have the ark, mercy seat. <laughs> Table of showbread, all vessels, lampstand, incense altar, holy anointing oil, the altar of burnt offering, and last but not least, the laver. Now, we don't have uh, any reference to Aholiab at this point, but he was actually from the tribe of Dan, and we know that Aholiab was an engraver, and he also was in charge of the tapestries. The tapestries. So there you have it, uh, the tapestries. So we're all making history as well. You know, what will God's book say in reference to the restoration, the regathering, the whole house of Israel, even that there's a book that the Father has for those that fear him, we are entered into this book. Even the Lamb's book of life, how important are you to be a part of the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel, you know? And so last but not least, we have, of course, what was collected from the women to help make the labor. Exodus 38, verse 8, what was taken from the women to help make the laver? Their looking glasses, so their brazen... Yeah, uh, their mirrors. Right. Yeah, the it's their mirrors, mirrors you know? yeah. And so, remember, the washing of the water of the Word. How are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to act? That's what the Word of God does, that we are to, to look at that in that light, looking glasses. So, I'm going to turn this last part over to Ryan. I really enjoyed this particular podcast, this Torah portion. Once again, everyone... This is a devotional. The Torah portions only come around once a year. Once we move on from Vayikal, we have one more portion, and we're done with the book of Exodus, okay? And we're going to be going into Leviticus. So once again, treat these Torah portions as devotionals and ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to get out of it. So here's the, uh, the last part of our podcast. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Vayikal, and he assembled from a consensus of the group? Well, a consensus of my group in my brain uh, is the first thing was the whole idea of a willing heart. Um, you know, God uh, God wants us to give 
with a willing heart. And when we give with a willing heart, the whole idea is why does it have to be with a willing heart? Why can't I just be obedient with a begrudging heart or with the, um, the idea that, hey, maybe I'm just within this social construct and this is what we're supposed to do. So I just, I, as an obedient guy, I just do it. Um, and I think the, the overreaching answer is that God wants a relationship with us. Uh, a personal relationship with us, and if we're not doing it with a willing heart, then you know, don't do it. Don't even bother, because he doesn't need the thing. He needs your heart. Uh, and the second thing was uh, that God built the tabernacle, or he instructed them to build the tabernacle from the inside out. So they built the ark first, and so that kind of ties in with the whole willing heart thing, that he builds the heart of the tabernacle, and then he goes from the outside. And just that way, he's building us and our character and our spirit from the inside out. And if we can get the inside right, Everything else is going to run. You know what comes to my mind, Ryan? The two things that I have, uh, just for me personally, a willing heart to give, uh, which is important, uh, because that even ties up with your faith. You give to what you believe in, you know, without the evidence of even seeing it. And so willing, a willing heart to give, and of course, attention to detail for obedience, those two things. Attention to detail for obedience. So let me encourage all of you in this. Let me, let me just ask you an incredible last question in closing here. If the Father is restoring and regathering the whole house of Israel, made up of Jews and non-Jews, how is he doing it? How do you get to play a part in this? Now, we don't have, we don't have the itinerary. The cloud moves, we move. The pillar of fire moves, we move. But I'm telling you right now, everyone, think about it. How can you be a part of what God is doing? What part are you going to play in the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel? Come on, somebody! I can do that. <laughs> you know, uh, this is an awesome tour portion. Uh, this was obviously shorter than our normal ones, but, uh, you know, we've been going over a lot of this stuff, and this kind of repeats a bit of it and just adds that extra bit about the willing heart. And so I really want you guys to just get with the Lord and think about uh, what is it that, uh, you know, where is your heart? You know, where is it with Him? Are you doing the things that you're doing for the right reasons? Because if you're not, just stop doing them. Um, you know, the God doesn't want it. If you guys read Psalm 51, uh, David even talks about this. So um, we love you guys. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. You can call the office here at 813-654-2222. Um, you can also uh, live stream our services every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, via our website or any of our social media platforms. And then last but not least, don't forget, Monday night... Uh, March 4th, this Monday coming up, we are going to have Eve Harrow as our guest, and uh, we will be live streaming that service, and we would love for you guys to attend that with us from wherever you are, whether you can make it here uh, to 1705 Lithia Pinecrest Road, or if you want to uh, just uh, live stream it from wherever you are. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Okay.